Hi, and welcome to <laughs> Telepathic TV. This is television you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Fielden, and our show is about <laughs> raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about mass hysteria. And Neville and I thought we would open our third eye for tonight so everybody can see an example of an open third eye. There we go. Brought to you by Scooby-Doo. <laughs> okay, it's getting ready to fall off now. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So, mass okay. hysteria. Yes. And mass hysteria, if you want to know what mass hysteria is, look at the news. Because they don't do anything else but sell us mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. You name it. And the news is designed to get you upset in case you think it's getting you ahead in the world. It's actually just getting you upset about something, <coughs> which is not really a frame of mind that will allow you to do anything. Mm-hmm. And the object of this program may be to allow you to recognize just how mass hypnosis, oh, pardon, I gave it away, uh, mass, hysteri- hypnosis, mass, hysteri- mass hysteria, is mass hypnosis, it is. It really is, and it shows you how uh, fear is contagious. That's what mass hysteria really is, is Mm -hmm. fear that has become contagious and spread around like a virus. And the media is used a lot to spread mass hysteria, hypnosis, fear, whatever we call it. I believe it is the exclusive use of the media at this point, with the exception of this show and possibly a few others. Uh, is just simply to get you upset about something because if you're upset about something, you are on tilt, is the poker expression. If you're upset about something, you don't have your reason. Mm-hmm. If you're upset about something, you're really easy to manipulate. That's World true. War II, uh, you know, are there any examples of that required? Well, it's easy to sell you things when you're afraid, too. Would you like to buy a new car? <laughs> I'm not afraid. Uh, but your old one may but break down. you can down. give me a car. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Look, I'm reading my own poem. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, today, and, and part of the mass hysteria that works really, really well is the calendar. The Gregorian calendar is mass hysteria. You're getting very it was designed by You're getting very sleepy. There we go. And you won't understand time. No, okay, you understand time. Gre- the Gregorian calendar was designed to impose upon conquered people. And a real method of understanding the time map is the Mayan. And the Mayan are talking about um, a month. Every month in the Mayan calendar has 28 days. Have you ever heard of a 28-day cycle? I'm sure the women have not. Yeah, certainly no men. Okay, so now, doesn't that make a lot? There are 13 months in a year, and they make up for the math with uh, the day out of time. And uh, we'll study the Mayan calendar. And uh, today in Mayan is? For Kib, the guide tribe of Eb. And Kib is the warrior who balances intellect and intuition into the perfect harmony. Yeah. And if you look at four, it's a very balanced number, two and two, mm-hmm. and it's all on one plane instead of stacked like up f- above five. So it's a real balanced number. And the nobility of the warrior would question authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was thought of in the 60s uh, with the bumper sticker, question all authority. And that is the only way this is gonna move forward is if we are to question what it is that we accept. That is, in and of itself, the Mm -hmm. advance of consciousness. Now, mass hysteria questions nothing. It totally accepts accepts, a false premise 
and then acts out a desperation. So the oil spill is really mass hysteria because there cannot be anything wrong. That if you're saying, oh, this is wrong, then you're not seeing the picture clearly. Yeah. 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 There's and, always a message in everything, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, fixing a hole in the ocean, isn't that the Beatles line? Mm -hmm. Fixing a hole. Yeah, okay. So, wow. John, you were great, but you're about 23 years shy of the mark, but still, you know, we've got to admire a thing like that. 23 so, years? I don't know. I don't count much in the way of mathematics. Might be a Not little bit longer than that. Whoever it was, yeah. yeah. And this process. <coughs> so, mass hysteria. Now, there are many versions of mass hysteria, one of which, and we were talking about this for a long time, is the idea of your appearance. There mm -hmm. is hysteria about your appearance, whether you're male or female, well, it is, it or is, something in between. It is getting more and more into the male population, but for mm -hmm. a long, long time, it was predominantly in the female popula population because the value was placed on your appearance until you were married, and then after you were married, it was placed on how well you cooked or, or whatever. But our value, so much of the female value is placed on how we look. And if you're not Barbie, the conventional idea of beauty, it can really take up a lot of your creative living space by constantly berating yourself or finding the next product that that's going to make you, yeah. the next product that's going to make you um, more acceptable. And it's really amazing how much of our inner world is, dis is rotates around that, or mm -hmm. is defined by that. If you think about it, the hairspray that we use and various things, and it's not wrong to use hairspray or cosmetics, it's not wrong, but it's all about the motives. And if it's done in fear, it's something to look at and, and free yourself of, because fear is the thing that stands between you and your creative flow. Well, this brings us then very um, effortlessly into much higher realms of consciousness about who it is that you find lovable. And in the hysteria, that's only somebody that looks good, you know, in the sense of um, Barbie Kin sort of good, Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston good, you know, that concept. Only those people are the only people on earth that are lovable. Everybody else is a shade below. <laughs> that reminds me of a Seinfeld thing on Seinfeld. And they were ha he and Elaine were having a debate. So, and she says, so you're saying only 10% of the people are good enough to date, or good looking enough to date? He says, yes. Well, what about the rest of them? He goes, that's where alcohol comes, comes in. in. Yeah, yeah. It's all about beer goggles. Yeah, that concept. So we wish to do away with this method of measuring our fellow being based on what they look like. Because as soon as you have enough um, bit drive in your brain that is measuring what someone looks like, the rest of the measuring ability fades in comparison. In other oh, words, you completely you, stop short, yeah. Yeah. In other words, you can totally recognize the spirit within the person, but the physical appearance buffers that because of the way, because of the mass hysteria. Otherwise, you could just recognize people as beautiful people. And that has nothing to do with what they look like. But in the hysteria, the only thing is what they look like. I got to say, I have never, ever been drawn to males strictly by appearance. I, it's just never right, been you. that way. And I think that women have that gift 
much since um, yeah. the way we grew up was a man could look like anything as as long as he has power that's kind of the thing that's his self-esteem is riding on mm -hmm. and if we throw that out the window you can really find that deep connection I've never met that's anybody it, yeah. yet the that has I, I've never met anybody yet that has not said I'm really looking for that deep level spiritual connection and love everybody is is really looking for that yet when we go to attract or to uh, look into another person how much superficiality is there that's blocking us from really looking deeply within there pretty much have, all of it yeah, yeah. Hmm. what are you gonna do so there are many other forms do. yeah so this idea of what you look like see now everybody is giving off an electromagnetic field around themselves uh -huh. And you could make yours, anyone could make theirs, uh, unbelievably beautiful and attractive, uh, just a source of light. And it would have absolutely nothing to do with the appearance of the person. Uh, sometimes very elderly people just turn into light. They don't really die. And uh, in the sense of the way we've used the word in the hysteria, uh, but they just become brighter and brighter and brighter, and then one day the, the whole thing just vanishes. And that's because they've led a path that has allowed them to free themselves from the weight of uh, guilt and feared out worry and guilt uh, that is no longer holding them down. Because I notice as I grow older, I am so much less concerned about, let me just say, anything. So, and, well, what about it? And gee, that's almost interesting. You know, just to the point where, and, and so more and more and more, it looks like everyone is just totally hysterical about something. Just, just complete, and the hysteria is based on their method of valuing, valuing themselves. You know, so everybody has to rational, rationalize uh, what it is, like the judges on all these popular TV shows, their whole job is to find something the matter and to find something good about the person. And that just sort of, you see what I'm saying? Okay. Well, I, I think hysteria is also defined by feeling out of control. <coughs> and so to, in order for someone to um, become hysterical, they have to believe that there's something else that controls them. Yeah. Or there's some major thing that's going to be befalling them mm -hmm. for the whole population and doing something about it uh, and them not being able to do something about it. But hysteria, mass hysteria is something that we're designed to have, to be programmed with. When we see someone else upset, in, the, in our history, in our biological history, it made sense for us to then say, there's someone running toward me screaming, ah, I'm going to run in the same direction as they because that protected us. That meant a lion might be coming and I'm not going to stick around until I see the lion and then it's going to attack me. So, now here, here we get into the... advertising Yeah. I'm sorry? That was before advertising was invented. Oh. Okay. Um, where were they? Uh, so we're, we're running from this... Uh, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. What was I going to say, You're Rick? watching someone running away, and we are wired we, Okay, to here go, it is where we are programmed biologically yeah. for a lot of these things that we talk about on the show. Fear, guilt, doubt, worry, all, all of these things. Jealousy, panic, fear. Okay, they're all here. They're all present within us when we're born, and they are, they are um, taken and nurtured 
and taught how to become very large by our training on this planet. Mm -hmm. And at one time, and I've said for a long time, that all things are of divine origin. And if you can trace it back to its divine origin, you then have power with it. And so the divine or origin of mass hysteria is to get you moving So since thinking takes longer. Well, now it's not serving us any longer just to run screaming. If a lion's coming after us, I'm sure that will click in and we'll go running. But to just be Im affected by other people's sadness, depression, fear, or mania in any Feel way is no longer serving us because people are doing this as a commercial endeavor to point yes. us in a certain direction. Right. And it's no longer out in the wilds with a lion chasing yeah, us. Pre-advertising society. We are wired with a quid pro quo. There were studies done uh, so long ago that Coca-Cola was a quarter for like a bottle of Coca-Cola. Okay, and uh, this was done scientifically. It was done as a, as a uh, study with um, people, strangely enough. I don't know why they didn't use apes. So anyhow, this person goes in and he gives um, a person, uh, just one sec on the call, gives a person a Coca-Cola, just free, here, have it. Then uh, half an hour later or something, he comes back in the same room with the same person and says, I'm selling a lottery ticket for a dollar. And the people that he gave the Coca-Cola to free consistently bought the dollar lottery ticket. Okay, whereas the people that he didn't, far less of them bought a lottery ticket. And so this entire quid pro quo oh, it's the is our desire. Yeah, is our desire to, uh, it's wired into us for a group survival. Mm -hmm. In other words, if we do a favor for someone, they owe us. Exactly. And that's what they are constantly mm -hmm. doing, and that is the, the fundamental engine behind mass hysteria. And that's why the, some of the evangelists, TV evangelists, will send you a penny or a dime or a quarter or a dollar in the thing, mm -hmm. or a little gift of address labels or something, because then you will be subject to feeling guilty yeah. if you don't send money, and guilt is so painful and such a great tool to, for us to use, for someone to get us to use on ourselves, yeah. that we will send them $25 rather than having that guilt. Yeah, yeah. And so being conscious of that's very important. We'll and talk more about it after the call. And that is form of hysteria. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have all those little coins they send. I put them in a jar and shake it up and laugh. Hi, caller. What's your <laughs> name, please? Uh, hi, Neville. This is Bob. Bob, what can we do for you? Uh, was interested in having a dream interpreted. Sure. And I, I'm guessing you haven't had this particular dream before. but uh, Okay. I'm wandering along, wandering along uh, with my family uh, along the beach, and we, we come to this inlet where there is a, a yacht club, and there are uh, a lot of people, uh, upper class, playing a, a strange game on the beach, and it looks like volleyball, and so they say, you know, can you come play with us? They say, we need an extra player, so I, I join in. And the game of volleyball is actually played with elves. With what? Is played with elves instead of volleyballs. Elves. And everyone gets an elf, and uh, the, the object of the game is to pick the elf up and touch him to your shoulders. And the elves are actually playing for the other side, and so they're struggling and don't want to be picked up, and they don't seem to enjoy the game very much at all. 
And so somehow in the middle of the game I realized, I think there's an e- easier way here, and I tell the elf, all I, we score a point every time I touch you to my shoulders, so why don't you play for our team? And everyone on our side starts just touching the elves to their shoulders. And uh, the elves seem to like it a lot better because, you know, they don't have to fight from having that done to them. Wow. Excellent dream. Yeah. Yeah. So I would ask uh, for a little more description of the elf. Uh, just what color clothes? What, what, what's more about the elf? The, the elves are uh, all dressed in very preppy clothes, white shorts, very well-pressed, little white vests, little polo shirts, and uh, most of them are blonde. Blonde elves. <laughs> I bet there's a, a website with blonde elf jokes on it, I, but that's another story completely. They probably <laughs> have a really unusual hair care regimen. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, an elf is a magical creature, and um, especially a preppy elf. Uh, and I would think that might actually represent your children uh, in the sense of getting them up to your height, so to speak, and therefore gaining a point by elevating the elf. The idea of the uh, upper class right away is a term in general of exclusion. These are the upper class, and even the upper class look down on the upper class. And apparently there's one guy, maybe two guys, Warren Buffett and and, uh, what's his name that started Microsoft, may constitute the entire of the upper class. And then everybody else is a pretender to the throne. So it's an absolutely ridiculous way. It's, it's like the king. Well, the king is the only one that can be the king. Why would we do anything for him? He's not one of us. But you don't think that way because you're hypnotized into the hysteria of the monarchy. Okay. Uh, yeah. Are you done? Or yeah, sure. <clears throat> well, I thought that was a really, really interesting dream. When you first said inlet, and it was a yacht, and, and what we would think of as the easier lifestyle, being wealthy, and you were looking for an inlet, like a way to get in to that yacht place with the rich people. Um, I would say overall, when you said the elf, I was thinking of the extremely low frequency generator, and much like what Neville creates, and it's a tool of magic for sure, and that you are looking for a way to transmute the energies. And they were preppy, so prep means think ahead. And I don't know if this has to do with with a business thing, but I I felt very strongly that it might be something to do with your work. And how you gain your power is to think ahead and have all your ducks in a row. And then magic takes over and not to be caught unaware uh, because you are both preparing for a solution, like a strategic thing. You are preparing it for it by getting the elves to be on your side. And um, maybe it's a matter, if it's a family disagreement or some kind of situation at work, going and talking to all, com- all pieces and saying, this can work for everybody. Nobody has to lose. Everybody can win. We can all be rich, that kind of thing, because it was taking your whole family in there. And uh, blonde, also, just in our culture and joking how uh, blondes are, are, are less, I, I know it's not true and I'm not proponing this at all, I'm are proposing this, I'm just saying in our culture and comedy it talks about blondes maybe not being as intelligent or something, which isn't true, we know that, but that goes in the back of our subconscious mind. 
So it may be saying educate, because they were both shorter and blonde, to educate this other side, and you were educating them in your dreams and saying, here, take this information, and you'll do better, I'll do better, and the whole situation will work out. So it's teaching, also becoming a mediator and informing everybody. And um, I well, guess, and, this is and volley is the conversation, mm -hmm. the volleying the ball. Is that making any sense, Bob? It is. I, I had the very simple interpretation of, you know, somehow I was helping the little people and it all worked out. Mm -hmm. That's um, very good, too, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but That's that an excellent was, interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was, uh, yeah, your explanation makes a lot of sense uh, and has a lot of good points. I appreciate it. Oh, sure. Now, one more point, which uh, is... Uh, shouldering. Shouldering instead of yeah, you shouldering it all. Um, yeah, that to was raise the to the shoulder to uplift uh, the little people. Uh, uh, well put. Uh, my other point being the Travelocity elf who wears the oh, traditional okay. garb. And uh, the idea of revamping the Travelocity elf and pitching <laughs> that as an ag campaign for that company in particular. I don't know if you're in that world or not, but a really good sketch of a modern-day elf would be germane to the message that company is attempting because they're saying, you know, come with us. We're going to treat Put you. Put an elf on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. That could be the, the motto. Yeah, and uh, that we're, if you travel with us, you're going to receive first-class treatment, even though you're an elf. And uh -huh. it's very interesting. That well, and also bench pressing, because they were well-pressed. And, and isn't, yes. isn't pressed. bench pressing like where you lay and it's right over your shoulders, like st right, straight right. up? Yeah. So uh, pressing and strengthening. To me, it was all about finding the, the things that may look small strategically, and that if you can work your magic and allow the magic to unfold and not control it so much, but just set forth a, a good plan, everything's going to work out really well. And I would look at the people in the dream and just ask what part of you they represent. And what part of, the, uh, what part of you do the elves represent, would you say, Bob? I'm not sure, but it was, it was a way of, uh, I mean, these were people who had their, they, they were kind of a, an elite class. They mm -hmm. invited us to play with them because they, they didn't have enough players. And um, it, we, we found a way to break the rules because the game didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to, to fight with the elves. Well, that's the very essence of, well, the allegedly the United States was founded on people who oh, said, God. your game does not work with us. We are not paying tax on tea. Uh, for one, we can grow it. For two, you're really being a pain about the whole thing. And for three, come over here and get me because you cannot. Okay, so here, here's the thing. The motto or the moral is it doesn't pay to fight with yourselves, yourself, elves. Yeah, yourself, elf. If you take the ah. S off, it doesn't yeah. pay to fight with yourself. Yeah, yeah. So make a deal with yourself and stop that inner turmoil yeah. about who you are. And, and, maybe make and wear own, a, an attractive make little white vest. Because selves and elves. Yeah. Okay, well, great. This is fun. One thing that you know. That was terrific. Thank you for all your time. Oh, oh, thank sure. you for thank calling. You for that calling. was a brilliant yeah. dream, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of neat visuals with it. But you can take one dream and really analyze it over and over from this angle, from this angle, from this angle, and you can tell a lot about your entire life and your path in life. It's quite, quite fun. Yeah, truly so.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob, thank you. That was a brilliant question. I really like the uh, Yeah, because the, the, the mind, how it, how it stores symbolism in lexicon fashion, where there's going to be similar words are going to be stored together, like elves, selves, blah, 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 blah. And then, then those same things can be sorted in a different way um, by what they look like, green, short, and, and stored with other things. So when uh, you look at, at the literal, the symbolic, and take um, things and, and tr- what do they sound like, you can start getting a lot more data out of them. Soundbite. Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely works. Okay. Yeah. Well, well thank we, you very much. Yeah, thanks. Now, we were, we're talking about the... Uh, the glamour. Mass, well, glamour is part of the mass hysteria. There's uh, just a huge uh, mass hysteria. Uh, the car you drive in Los Angeles... What was I thinking? The car you drive is who you, you are. You sit in a parking lot in, <laughs> yeah. on the highways? Uh, the car that you drive is who you are. I mean, this is a given piece of mass hysteria. Everybody believes in this in a very real way. I'm a 97 Civic. There we go. Okay. And that, that you're no longer you. You're not visible. When you're in your car, you are the... We've all seen this. You can, you can see a car go by. You can describe the car. But the person driving, no, no idea who is driving that because we don't recognize the person. We recognize the car. So we have this false identity of the vehicle that we drive, which is very much in the league of glamour. And so mm-hmm. when we are just our body, well, it's never just our body. It's the clothing we have on our body. You know, if you spent, oh, $35,000 on that outfit, people just fall over and worship you because of just how, you know, with it you are. This is an Armani tuxedo. Oh, well, here, have, you know, you could rob a bank in an Armani tuxedo and the cops that came to arrest you would open the door <laughs> to your getaway vehicle for you. Take you to the white-collar prison? Yeah, yeah, you could not, you the could black not be tie prison. convicted wearing an Armani. If you went to court in an Armani suit, you could not possibly be put away because of the, the signal you're giving off, this concept. Uh, if you go boss, and you, that's 50-50. You know, uh, what's the other one? The next one down is uh, Pierre Cardin, Cardin, or Yves Saint Laurent, uh, which is an interesting name. But I mean, you know, the, the, I don't know if that's a real name. Is there a Saint Laurent? And if there was, did he Bless make... Bless you. Yeah, yeah, okay. But this idea of um, we don't recognize us. Mm-hmm. We recognize a lot of things that aren't us. Is that Maybelline? Yeah, I'm wearing Armani. Oh, go in peace. You know, that sort of thing. Well, it's like, it's like a calling card. It's what yeah. we say. Mm-hmm. We all walk around with this whiteboard around our necks, and we write yeah. on it, oh, I don't love myself. Go ahead, mm-hmm. take advantage of me. The way mm-hmm. I prove myself is to do all this extra work. I don't have boundaries. Or I love myself. I think I'm wonderful. Whatever it is we choose to write on that whiteboard is what we are communicating to the rest of the world and what the rest of the world will see. So it's really important to, number one, know what you have written there and then love yourself enough to rewrite something new. Absolutely. Okay. Well, well, the hysteria really does tie into what we feel about ourselves and where we're afraid, where we feel out of control and where we feel dangerous. Mm-hmm. And the, the products that are sold, 
uh, pharmaceuticals and, and various pharmaceuticals. things. Yeah, yeah. Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, pharmaceuticals, the pharmacy. Yeah. That whole concept. So we, we are no longer real people. We are an identity, and inside of that identity is the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to that insignificant little man in the corner. And we're all projecting this image to each other, and nothing real is happening. And this image that we're projecting is directed by the hysteria of the media. And we got to knock this off. This is just not doing much for us. It's not. It's keeping us from our potential. Because if we suddenly could care less about what anyone else thinks of us, then we would be well on the way to being original. We would be well on the way to the potential that a human being is born with. But instead, we're all just guilt puppets responding to whatever pulse the media gives off Mm -hmm. for us. And we've seen this in the uh, future fiction that's uh, such popular stuff where human beings are all controlled by. (laughs) That's now. Well, I've I've seen the mass hysteria phenomenon work with conspiracy thinking. So people induce mass hysteria by telling them about mass hysteria. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah, hysterical. That's right. The idea is, if you are afraid, it's not true. It's not a truth. Now, the things could be happening or couldn't be happening, but that's irrelevant because we all have the choice in which reality we choose to function within. We can function in a reality where the government's controlling us and looking at us through spy glasses all the time, or we could just love and accept ourselves and wish peace be to you. And if you want to watch me through your spyglass, have fun. I have nothing to hide. And now that's self-love. Mm-hmm. But when we're afraid and we're held in that guilt paradigm, the guilt consciousness, which is not about being guilty, but it's about the guilt consciousness feeling that we interpret ourselves through, and it's always a, in a berating way, well, nobody's going to get to us. That fear is irrelevant. And watch what it is we spread. Something that I have noticed since there's been so much law of attraction information out there Uh. for people, which I think is wonderful on one hand, but a little knowledge, or a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, whatever they say. Because I really feel it's directly tied to what's going on in the economy because people have stopped the cash flow in their life, the flow. All they're doing is focusing on what they don't have by affirming every day that uh, I'm going to get a million dollars, I'm going to get a million dollars, all that does is highlight the fact that they don't have it. There's not a flow. There's not, I'm going to create happiness. I'm going to create um, companionship and camaraderie and peace and harmony. That isn't as much being focused on. And now I hear a lot about earth changes, terrible earth things. Oh, my gosh, we got to get together in prayer groups and stop this. I'm telling you that's reinforcing it because it's buying into mass hysteria. Let's buy into mass divinity. How about that? Yeah. What if everything's okay? It always has been, always will be. Yeah. Shall we? Excellent. All right. How much does a mass divinity cost? It's free. Oh, good. Okay. The hysteria is very taxing. It yeah. eats at Literally. your stomach. It shortens Costs your you lifespan. Yeah. Mass divinity and perfection and divine timing and divine order. And it is. I'm buying into divine order. 
Works for me. And then create within that construct. Excellent. We have a call? Yes, we do. Okay. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Karen. Karen, what can we do for you? Um, I wanted to see if you could interpret a dream for me. Sure. Um, I dreamt of my son, and in his ears was white puff rice and coming at, flowing out of his ears. And somebody said to me, inside the puff rice is poison. So I said, let's get all the puff rice out of his ears. And then I turned to my daughter, and she said, no, don't remove the puff rice. What does that mean? Is now, it your daughter warning? said what? Don't remove the puff Don't rice. Don't remove the puff rice. And what does the puff rice mean? Uh, well, mass hysteria is a very easy interpretation. In other words, your son is listening to poison. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't mean the musical group, although I'm not really far off on that. Uh, the, and uh, to the point that it's falling out of his ears. But he's handicapped. I don't understand what doesn't this make any difference. This oh, okay. is part of the fact that he's an earthling is what we're looking at. I meant to say a human being. <laughs> Not that I'm from around here. Well, but basically, you know, all of this propaganda is being fed into him to the point and the daughter doesn't want that done because then he won't be normal. Because the entire of the next generation, just as we and our generation agreed to take on, you know, we, for example, took on the Beatles, that, and the Beatles were, in a very, very, very real way, totally anti-everything establishment, but they did it as very proper gentlemen, as opposed to the Rolling Stones that did it like, well, punks, let's face it. So, now, if we had been forbidden to, and believe me, we were, uh, to listen to either the Rolling Stones or the Beatles, we could have never been normal. We couldn't have been who we are in our generation. And so the very same phenomenon is occurring now, only it's Eminem um, and a number of other, you know, and, and they're being unbelievably anti-everything, and it is the job of the next generation to be against whatever the last generation was for. And so in family lines, it goes Democrat, Republican, liberal, Democrat, well, Republican, liberal, for the end of time. I just want to ask a quick sure. question. Who was it that said that the puffed rice was poison? I don't know, just a voice said it. In okay, the um, one thing I was going to say, and after you said your son is handicapped, it started making more sense, that we often will look at people, and I was, uh, what I had written prior to knowing that was um, not to control it by not pulling the poison out, that he has decided to walk the path he's walking, and it may look like poison to you, but it's really puffed rice. It's, it's air. It's, it's nourishment in his world, like in a spirit world, because mm -hmm. puffed rice is filled with air. And that your son chose his handicap because that's his path. And we, in this comparison, and thank you for calling tonight of all nights, because this does fit along with our it's judgment hysteria. about yeah. hysteria and fear. We're told children are supposed to be X, Y, and Z. And if there's anything different than that, we can feel like failures as mothers or feel um, sad by it for a very long time. It affects us. But if we look at each child as being absolutely perfect, whatever that, that has happened to the child or that the child brought in with him, and that he is walking his path, that's why your daughter, who is the, the, the representing the spirit here um, manifest in flesh, is saying, no, don't take it out that it's his path or it's his thing to bear and not yours. And maybe that was your angels coming 
to free you a little bit emotionally from, from that? I mean, we don't know the details, but yeah, just to, something to, to consider. To paint another picture of this situation, and thank you very much for, for calling in. This is greatly appreciated. Are you still there, Karen? Pardon me? Oh, I just want to know if you were still there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. <laughs> okay. Okay, so to paint another picture of this, which is just a different point of view of it, uh, the most brilliant people, the, the name for the most brilliant people on the planet Earth is retarded. And the reason for that is that you cannot possibly, you cannot possibly con someone who is retarded because they are not in the brain. They are perfectly in the heart. And the minute you would open your mouth to lie to them, they would know that. And they would know it by the way you opened your mouth. It wouldn't have anything to do with the yeah, words you said. Well, whatever word, word that using. is, yeah. Uh, the handicapped, whatever word, I really, it doesn't yeah. matter in this particular case. That these people came here uh, to get straight. They came here to actually get a real picture of the planet and who we are. The person who is autistic is not going to react negatively to things because there's nothing negative to react to because anything that happens is, is on very, your side. Yeah, it is a very innocent perspective for sure. Yeah, and therefore extremely powerful and extremely bright. Yeah. How did you know he was autistic? Well, Mary knew. I, I give up. Go ahead. <laughs> well, actually, I just couldn't understand the puffed rice, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, the puffed rice is... I didn't is, know if it was a, was a warning, uh, you know? No. no. No, I think puffed rice is... To me, insubstantial, <clears throat> like Rice Krispies, for instance, they, when you eat them, they, they just compress and, and do various things. Well, I, I think what this is saying is not to worry um, that there's more governing us than our intellect. And even when that yeah. is not apparent through our intellect or through our mm -hmm. communication, it's still there. And it's all in divine order and divinely perfect. And rice is a very staple of food and, yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, Karen, we've said so many times on this program, please take this to heart, take it home with you. Absolutely everything that happens turns out to be divine order on your side. Nothing has ever happened to you that did not turn out to be a blessing. It's a matter of how long it takes you to recognize it as a blessing. Now that can be a nanosecond or that can be decades. And what determines how long that takes is the amount of fear, doubt, worry, and guilt that you process the information with. If there were no fear, doubt, worry, and guilt, you would live in a world of total innocence and total blessing 24-7. Forrest Gump, who never had uh, a scheme in his head his entire life, got to take his picture with the president went out for a run one day and became world famous. It was just absolutely oh. ridiculous how blessed he was. And it was for a total lack of any kind of scheming, mm -hmm. whatever word you want to put <clears throat> in there. Yeah, there's always a blessing. And it's not always an apparent blessing in our scheme of good and bad and right and wrong. But it is a gainer of wisdom. And every gaining of wisdom is always a blessing. And um, something today when we were on our... Well, thank you, Karen, very much. We appreciate the call so much. That was great. Yeah, excellent. Uh, on, on the way to the show today, we got stopped 
we got stopped. We decided to stop behind a school bus. And it was a, a long, uh, like the whole school bus was unloading. And you could see people like really freaking out because they have to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was you, Lori. We, we always say every bus, is that Lori? Is that Lori? He's like, look, is that Lori's bus? We have okay. our friend who drives well, the school bus. Well, anyway, I, I sat there and I noticed how everybody was like, and some people were like racing ahead and stopped like right past the school bus. Whereas if that, children had been yeah. crossing, that would have been like, why even bother stopping at that point? But I realized that what it is, is people are accepting the belief that they, have, they are to be driving fluidly and smoothly without a stop at that stretch of the road. That's their belief. And then something happens that changes that. And instead of saying, okay, that reality has changed. Now, I'm going to, the school bus is letting off children. They hold on to the prior reality and resist the current reality by getting really angry about having to sit still. And that's what we talk about, allowing it to just be everything is in divine order. If you are stopped behind a school bus, then you are stopped behind a school bus. Resisting that fact is only going to drive you crazy. Once you've accepted it, then all kinds of alternatives can open up to you. Like exactly. meditation, yeah. pulling off, just waiting it and out, freaking it. out, getting out Unroll of your bus. Unroll your window and, uh, and talk to the person next to you. What yeah. the hell? You could get you know, out and tell yeah. the children to get off the bus quicker. You could do anything, but at least you wouldn't be resisting the fact that you are behind a school well, bus. Well, we spent so much of our life force is misspent in this unconscious resistance that we have everywhere, all the time, to everything. And even when it's perfectly smooth and you've hit the jackpot at Las Vegas and you've bought the $20 million yacht, you're still upset about something. You're still resisting something. You, it doesn't make any difference what league you're in. You can have all the resources imaginable and you will be upset because there are other planets that have resources that you can't get a hold of. You, you will. It is our nature to do this, and it is time that we change this. And this is mass, and this is hysteria, this idea that we are not allowed to uh, do, that we're not allowed to be happy. Well, you, you know, but when people feel powerless, they feel the only power they have is in resistance. You can see this with a lot with older people, and I'm not lumping every older person out there, but there are times in your life when you start feeling like, okay, I've given my power away so much, and now I've got this little bit left. And so then their power is claimed back in the form of resistance or judgment. Look at them. Uh, I, I remember in, being in a store, and my son was trying on shoes, and we were trying them on, and this older couple came over and says, you shouldn't be doing this on the floor. You walk over there and yell, yelled at us. And I, at the time, it really hurt my feelings. Or it was like, what did they do? And I realized, after I thought about it, that they felt like the whole world's just completely out of their control because there's oh, all yeah. this new technology, there's people out there, the young kids look disrespectful. And so that was their way of claiming it back. Let's claim our power in a lot more pleasant of a way. Technology is our friend. It is. It is. You're, you're watching us because of technology. And here comes the sacred and holy techno duck. Techno Tim with the Techno that. Duck. Yeah, I can okay, see the dolphins going. have come to join us today. Guidance. There is guidance all around you, whether it's in a road sign, a map, a friend, an overheard conversation, or a TV show called Telepathic TV, but it's always around you. 
And the hidden treasure that uh, the dolphins reminded me of. Our archives. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a very good point. We were going over the archives prior to the show. And uh, you can go to telepathictv.com, and you'll see more than, what, a hundred and a quarter, I think. Oh, 150 or something. I don't 150 know. archived shows. So, and if you believe... And on and, iTunes, too. Yeah. And this is a very, very good show, and there's 150 hours of it anytime you want to go diving in that, because I've found that when the, the information is at such a high frequency, I can go through the entire script, and I have a really alert brain as far as this stuff goes, like I can read a book once and really get the principles in it. And then I find that if I read it again, there's more stuff there. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we're saying, uh, if you choose this, go through the archives, pick out a title that, that tweaks for you. Me, me, pick me. Tweak, tweak, tweak. And, um, yeah, see where you're going on this, because uh, all of this is gratis to the universe. All of this is about uh, the more conscious human race. I tell you, if I race. were walking this path, I, I would get really excited about some of those topics. Yeah. And... I am going to get a device that I can convert some of our older shows. So Into, there yeah. will be at one point lost episodes, quote lost unquote, episodes. of me and Neville 10 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, That's something you want to see. Yeah, we, we look like little kids. Yeah, yeah. I had longer hair. I was hair back then. in my 40s. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably me too. I don't even know. And uh, we have our first caller. Mm -hmm. Hi, caller. What is your name, please? First caller of this segment. Hello. Hi. What's your Hi. name? Salma. Hi. What can we do for you? Well, I was thinking you might analyze a dream for me. Sure. Yes. Be happy to. Okay. All right. I've been having a recurring dream quite often that I, I lose my purse and everything in there. Okay. You know? And just few, a few days back, I saw I was in a gathering, and I was among a lot of women. It was like a religious gathering. And my son was there. We were all sitting down and talking, and then... Suddenly, I realized I have to go, and I was I walked out from there with my son following me. Then I realized that my handbag is not with me, you know, mm. and I I freaked out. I said, "Oh my God!" Again, I lost my handbag and everything in there. Wow. So I told my son, yes. Yeah, so I told my son, you know what? I need to go back and look for my handbag. Wow. Yeah, and I told my son, you know what? It's a Louis Vuitton bag. I'm sure I will not get my Louis Vuitton bag. I'm sure about it. And what then kind we, of bag? Excuse me. What kind of bag? Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, all right, just a designer bag. So we went back, then my son is saying, I'm sure you're not going to, we've been back in the same gathering, and guess what? My bag is not there, nothing is there, just an empty wallet. Everything, my credit card, everything was, everything was missing. Wow. And I don't know why, I keep, I keep on seeing this dream quite often. It may be in different, different place, with a different purse, different bag, but it's pretty much the same. Well, it's really interesting, this one in particular, because it, it's um, religion or, or spirituality, and, and the bag probably, um, amongst other things, represents your identity. And so you were at a religious gathering, and you walked off, and you felt like you left your identity back in there. So to go back in there and look for it is like going into the past, trying to explain who you are now by the beliefs that were delivered to you a long time ago. And the fact that your son was with you in this particular dream, one of our identities when we have children become a mother. Um, and, and as we do these different things in our life, it's, it's almost like we get spread out between all these identities. And this is saying get it all back into the same place. 
and you can't go back and use past techniques to explain who you are now. And I feel your spirituality has really evolved so much, whereas it's not like it's been taken out of your formal religion or, or spiritual beliefs, right, but it's right. been added to, because that's how I felt. I feel like I, I felt as if I outgrew traditional religion. And, and it's not like I'm throwing it out, but I can see where people feel like they're betraying their origins yes. to, lose, to lose that completely. Mm-hmm. Now, what were you going to say? I had, uh, it was very interesting that the bag was uh, Louis Vuitton. If I spelled it correctly, the first two letters of both words spell out love. So there is therefore a mechanical process by which you feel that you are losing love by losing your handbag because you love your identity. Very accurately, your handbag is your identity. That is an absolute. And your creative resource, since it was a designer bag. Just one other thing I wanted to put in there, her creativity. Yeah, so the idea of losing your love is what's upsetting to you about this. Uh, And yet you're not. And I must say I'm a great believer in all paths from God because you really have to get away from the idea of uh, the big man in the sky who's sitting there waiting to taser you because you have been because you have free will and you used it you are therefore supposed to be That's punished. very well said. Yeah. I like that. So now you get away from God long enough to get a breath and then you can recognize that you are the creator of everything that ever happened in your life not only the creator but that it was your idea Everything that happened in your life was your idea. Once you can get to that and accept it and live there, you reach a state of, uh, uh, God, creativeness. Uh, uh, God, yeah, that's a good one. You You reach a state of being God because everything that happens in your life was your idea. Your signature's on it all. So you can just do away with any kind of a bad feeling because... All we ever did was come here to have experiences, and believe me, we have them, mm-hmm. and, and, but we don't stop with having the experience, we judge it. Ooh. And, as, and as soon as you judge it, you're knocked out of the loop clean. Yeah, it's that's just an experience. That's just. very, that's right, very right. good. Yeah. Um, another thing, just the design, uh, a designer bag, <clears throat> that it is the power over the design in your life and maybe the past by going back in and your uh, spiritual um, history. And you might want to interpret this with other locations that you've had that dream in, is that the overall design of your identity, you are a product of your history, but you're also a product of who you are now, and you're looking to get that design back in your own hands. Get it in your hands, but well, that thank you. Handy. I know we're being told that we're down on time. Thank yeah. you so much. It was yeah. a one- lovely call. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And do we have time for one more, or no- a couple more? We have our next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name? Yes. Hi, my name is Anna, and I would like a reading, please. Sure. Okay. Be happy to. Yeah, you know, I look at at readings like pulling the cards is very much like. Um, a, a form of dream interpretation, too, yeah, yeah. Uh, intuitive dream interpretation. And for those of you that are listening to this on audio, at the beginning of the show, Neville had plastic. Neville and I had plastic eyes over our third eye. I figured someone may wonder that. Well, okay, the, the adventure card is, um, first of all, 
This is talking about that decision to come. I'm just going to lower that a little bit, if that's OK, get a better view here. It's about having that decision recently in your life where you said, OK, I don't care how scary something is. I'm going to take that step, and I'm going to move forward anyway. And that's when a lot of opportunities have opened up. And you are beginning, and it's been something you've been doing for a long time, but really starting to trust your inner voice and listen to it. And I felt like, like some kind of a, a cruise or something. <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my mind. You know, there's Alaskan cruises and everything. I don't know if that's something that you've ever thought about, but I feel that energy of that around you. And it's about integrating your inner voice with your intellect. And it's not one battles the other and one rules supreme. It's about having them both be present and both contributing to the decisions that are coming up. And I feel like maybe calling some people you have a rift with or people and just laying that to rest a little. Okay, do we have time yeah. for another? Sure, hi caller, what's your name please? While you're thinking about what your name is, we're going to be at uh, Ruby Tuesday's restaurant in Fairfax Circle in a few minutes if you'd like to join us. Hi, uh, are you on the air? I mean, you're on the air. Are you on the line? <laughs> okay, I do guess. Do you exist? I want to yes hi, or no answer. Hello. Hi. Good. Hi, this is Neha. I got disconnected and just called back. Oh, hi, Neha. Hey. How are you? Great. Good. Thank you. Good, good. Um, I had a couple of, one, op, one comment, one question, and then I uh, wanted to ask for a reading, but I think we're a little short of time. Okay. So the burning question that I have is, um, okay, we are here to experience. Mm -hmm. Good. What happens in the afterlife, you know, when, when you More don't have the vehicle body anymore? What kind of experiences More happen? What kind? I okay. mean, what, ex what is it like? It's, it's. Very, like very multidimensional. It's probably different for everyone, just like the experiences are so varied. But they're not experienced within the paradigm of finiteness like they are here. We'd just be in a different paradigm, and we could go into multiple, wouldn't you say? And, yeah, and you get to the point where you wish to return to incarnation. We human beings are odd ducks in a certain way. It's, I know so many people that don't want to be incarnate. Get me out of here, I never want to incarnate again. What the hell? Where's the button I pushed? Get me out of this thing. And when you're on the other side, oh, I've got to get back in the game, coach. Come on, you can do this for me. I really want to get in there and evolve in the physical being. I, I see there's just such an advantage to being in a body. And it, it's, an, uh, it's really an interesting phenomenon, the way that goes. Okay. Uh, um, I did pull some cards, but yeah. Neha, did you call me a, a little while ago? Um, is she still there? I guess she's... I copied the message down and lost the number. So if you called me, give me a yeah. call back tomorrow because I wanted to talk to you about your idea. And it's about sharing your gifts to the world, uh -huh. something you've been dreaming of, and get back to the childlikeness within yourself. I'm dreaming of being childlike. And remember, exit mass hysteria, enter divine order. Yeah. Do and it. then Quit you can contribute. Around. Place your attention on the di divinity of what you really choose to have. And then you can not live in on paradise resisting on Earth. whatever's going on. And so we yeah. won't resist the oil leak. We will project the completed state and if getting the message. If we love the oil it. leak, it can no longer be what it is uh -huh. in the mass hysteria. Right. It's our joy and honor to take you to the door. And we will be seeing you on the other side of the door. We may indeed dun, be waiting dun, dun, there dun, for dun, you. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. 
Now, wouldn't um, that be an interesting thing to have Neville greeting you in the afterlife? Thank you.